Good morning. Thank you for being with us today. We're in a series on the I am sayings, eight I am sayings in John. And what we're trying to do is figure out what, what John was trying to say to us through this poetry. Why have eight sayings? I'm the way, truth to light. Nobody comes to God from me. Then what you do to the least of these, you do to me, which seems to contradict that. Um, the way is like bread. You know, this this um, sacred something, the will of God or the kingdom of God or um, whatever the sacred is in our lives. It's kind of like bread. That's one of the I am sayings. Um, it's something elemental that sustains us. It's also something like light. It illumines our path. It's not being asked. It's not we're not being asked to just believe something because we've been told it. But um, <coughs> spiritual symbols should awaken us should help us see and feel more deeply in life. And we're we're also looking at Van Gogh, uh, believe it or not, because Van Gogh was also trying to communicate something. The ancient mystics were trying to share an experience they had of depth, of interconnectedness, of this larger world that seemed to speak to them. And Van Gogh is doing a very similar thing. He's trying to share with a um, sleeping world what sunflowers look to him. They're an explosion of colors. The sky is an explosion of colors, and there's patterns and swirls, and he's trying to share that with people who can't hear that or see that. So I think by holding the two together, (coughs) it can be helpful. I think particularly because Van Gogh had a problem with religion, had a problem with authority figures. Obviously, Jesus did too. Uh, both of them had this running debate with religious authorities. It's very important when we look at John not to blame what's happening on Jewish people or, or the, the Jewish religion. That was never the problem. The problem is something that is in human nature to try to control other people, to get narrow-minded, to try to reduce everything to what's good for our group. So both Jesus and Van Gogh were struggling against similar things. Van Gogh's dad was a minister, and that kind of was a burn his saddle his whole life. This is a, a, from a letter he sent to his brother. He says, that God, the clergy, <coughs> that God of the clergy is as dead to me as a doornail. But am I, an, am I an atheist for all that? The clergy consider me as such. Be it so, but I love. And how could I feel love if I did not live? And if others did not live, and then if we live, there is something mysterious in that. Now call that God, our human nature, or whatever you like. But there is something which I cannot define systematically though it is very much alive and very real and see that is God or as good as God. I love that line. That is God or as good as God to believe in God for me is to feel that there is, is a God, not a dead one or stuffed one, but a living one who is irresistible force. Who's with irresistible force urges us toward love again and again. 
That is my opinion. Both Van Gogh and the author of the book of John were trying to put us in touch with that mysterious something that drives us to get up in the morning, that gives us the will to live. That mysterious something that we see in other beings that communicates with us at at a deeper level. So I don't think the question is whether somebody's a theist or an atheist. I think the question is whether we're in touch with the roots of life, whether we feel our interwovenness with other beings. I just, I love his line. It's God or as good as God. We're looking at at John's statement today. (coughs) That the sacred is like a good shepherd. Just as the sacred speaks to us through nature and through life, they're good examples. People who bring out something in us just because of who they are. They are so wise or so creative or so loving. But it's very important that the good shepherd um, calls us not to religion, but to life. And I think Van Gogh and John are, are trying to say something very similar here. Uh, David, would you put up the painting? This is Van Gogh's painting of a shepherd and the flock. <coughs> if you can't tell, Van Gogh is very depressed right now. His, um, he's living with his parents. He's This and other paintings are going to be sold, I think, for a dime. A bunch of them. He's just kind of in despair. Clearly, he hasn't learned to work with colors yet. That's coming. But you do see he is beginning to understand something. Notice how the light on the face of the lambs jumps out at you. Notice that they're not paying attention and they're not staring at the shepherd. Um, there's, there's something here that's happening. <clears throat> Usually painters use yellow to move something forward in, in, a, in a painting and blue to move it back. In the painting, when you look at mountains, they're blue. The yellow is kind of filtered out um, through the air. The blue in this painting is on the right-hand side, and it slowly, gradually, and very subliminally turns brighter and more yellow as it goes. Uh, This is after a storm. That's one of the names also, I think, of the painting or an explanation that it's a shepherd and the flock after a storm. And you notice the little patch of yellow. So the shepherd isn't what you're staring at. The shepherd is almost like a place marker for this flow that's taking place in the picture. Um, that, thank you, David. You can take it down if you'd like. Van Gogh had been in a relationship with a woman who was 10 years older than him, and both sides of the family stopped the relationship. She, I think, had a suicide attempt, and he was just very, very sad during this time. But he also got in touch with something that was there deeper than his pain, something that was coming through him, through his art. And I really believe that that is what 
the mystic is trying to say with the burning bush. This is Van Gogh, another letter to his brother. He says, art is something which, though produced by human hands, is not wrought by hands alone, but wells up from a deeper source, from the human soul. While much of the proficiency and technical expertise associated with art reminds me of what would be called self-righteousness in religion. So he's trying to get past super, he sees even in art itself, this kind of superficiality, this rigidity, this effort to control. So the good shepherd isn't calling us to an organization. The good shepherd isn't calling us to an institution. Uh, It's happening through us. And even though it's a more painful route sometimes than oblivion, it carries the promise of life. I love Parker Palmer's statement. He said, before you tell your life what you intend to do with it, listen for what it intends to do with you. I think that's kind of the image of this good shepherd. (coughs) Some of it's a person, but it's more than that. It's something in life that calls us and, and directs us. You don't have to be religious to have this experience, but it is very profound. And I think very spiritual. Last week, we looked at um, the idea of the sacred as a gate. And we looked at his paintings. They looked, they were nests. And they looked almost like cocoons. The spiritual can be that which kind of religion can shelter us as we learn to find our own wings. And we we fly free. Um, We come back to it to take care of others. Sometimes to the same nest. But a nest that we don't outgrow is a nice name for a prison. So part of what is being called here is we're being called out of um, our habits, our memories, our institutions, and into life itself. And that's one aspect of the Good Shepherd. Another aspect of the Good Shepherd is that we're called not to the church, but to universal love. I believe that John was interweaving religions all across the way. And I get this from having studied these ancient religions. This is usually left out of commentaries and things. But uh, David, would you show the picture of the Good Shepherd, please? In the ancient world, this was a very common sight. We look at this and, um, you know, Jesus is the Good Shepherd. The problem here is this is not a statue of Jesus. This is a statue that comes from hundreds of years before Christianity. It's Hermes as a shepherd. You had Mercury as a shepherd. You had uh, Orpheus as a shepherd. And so John is playing on a theme here. This was incredibly popular in funerary like around cemeteries and graves, this kind of thing, to have this idea of a shepherd. Um, Thank you, David. Um, So the idea of Christianity being born out of a vacuum and not in conversation with the rest of the world doesn't make any sense. In fact, you can't understand what John is saying here as well if you don't understand that he's using an earlier image. 
in these earlier images, the, the, the messenger, Hermes or Mercury, whoever it is, brought a lamb or sometimes a cow, calf, as a sacrifice. The secret to understanding John is seeing what he's doing different in these earlier religions. So if other forms of religion were religions of sacrifice, Jesus is saying that the the good shepherd, the good teacher, becomes the sacrifice. They don't ask that of of the students. He says, um, I lay down my life that the hired hands, the people that are just working for money, uh, aren't going to stand up to the wolves. They're going to do what is is uh, good for their career. But there's something deeper than that that is is the heart of, of this good good shepherd. Um, and I think we've all had experiences of that. One of the experiences I had once <clears throat> that um, when people ask why I went into ministry, I don't usually think of this story, but I think it's it's a, an important part of it. This was after university, I'd graduated. I was still in a band and, you know, it was a great time. I had a great life, lots of good friends. Um, and I'm walking along the road at sunset and a car pulls up behind me, the lights, and they're going to play chicken. I'm, I'm standing just off the curb. I'm in the street, maybe be a foot from the curb. And this person is obviously steering towards me. I don't turn around. I, I can see from the headlights uh, that they're trying to get me to jump on the curb. And I don't do it. And they kind of eventually just passed me. That night, I started thinking about it. Why is it that I didn't jump on the curb? Uh, And I realized that in a lot of ways, my life didn't mean that much to me. Um, And I realized, okay, if it doesn't mean that much to me, maybe I give it away, you know, to humanity. And I think that's a place that a lot of people get where you've climbed climbed the career ladder or you weren't able to climb the career ladder, but you realize that living just for oneself doesn't quench a certain thirst that we have. There's a gift we have to give, and it's, it's in Christianity, but it's before Christianity. It's the roots of a human being. It's a universal message. It's a message of universal love. And if it doesn't open up into universality, we don't understand where John is going with this. John says, I have sheep that are not of this flock. John has, has Jesus say that as the good shepherd. I have flock, sheep that are not of this flock. They will hear my voice, that there'll be one flock and one shepherd. Now, that doesn't mean Christianity uber alles. That doesn't mean we convert everybody to our way. It's that our voice become part of this universal choir. That we're being called to, to, to be good citizens of the whole, good members of the whole. Unity with Christians and Americans is not enough. It needs to go deeper than that. Um, Van Gogh said that the way to love God is to love many things. I think if we understand life completely and profoundly, we realize it's ecological. Like we're not individual units. We're members of a larger web of life. 
And life has no meaning unless we participate and give ourselves to that hope. I think when you look at the mythology that was there in the Hermes and the Mercury statue, what's very obvious or would be obvious to the people of that day is that the difference is this good shepherd is not about controlling and about power. This shepherd is about empowering people from within. So not controlling from outside in, but empowering from inside out. The earlier image of the shepherd was bringing a sacrifice. I remind you of that saying that the good shepherd is the butcher's best friend, that there are shepherds that are raising sheep to eat them. There are shepherds that raise them to sell them. And they're also clergy like that. They're teachers like that. Um, they're politicians like that. But the good shepherds are those parents that, that, that sacrificed for you. They, they gave you their, their life's blood for you to be where you are. They're teachers who stayed up night grading papers, loving sacrificially. Not as a burden, not as a debt, but as a gift. Living and, and giving ourselves to life are not two separate things. So how all that fits into one basket, I hope. <clears throat> Van Gogh had problems with authority figures and religion. So did Jesus. Maybe you do too. And that's okay. It doesn't have to be uh, theologically uh, orthodox to be you know, profound. What John is telling us today is the good shepherd um, is anyone who calls us not to religion or politics, but to life itself through religion, through politics, um, but into life itself. The good shepherd doesn't try to control us from the outside in, but is attempting to free us from the inside out to be who we truly are. And finally, the good shepherd is one who doesn't call us to one church or one nation but to universal love where there is one flock of humankind and one shepherd, which is this universal love that may not be orthodox. Uh, it may not be the traditional God, but I think Van Gogh was right. It's either God or as good as God. However, the sacred speaks to you. That is the good shepherd. Well, this is my understanding of our passage today. I invite you now to your own understanding of it.